the largest U.S. distributor of nutritional and sports supplements was hit hard by the COVID-19 effect, and it could be on the verge of bankruptcy. That introduction could be a little bit confusing for those that have followed along on a ton of the content recently that I've been putting out, and that's because I've stated on many occasions and have supported this with data that the overall supplement industry and a lot of the ancillary functional CPG categories have performed extremely well against the pandemic business environment over the last 12 to 15 months. So how can the largest distributor in the US of a lot of these functional CPG categories, how are they struggling right now? But before I get too far into this content, I do wanna just make an overall blanket statement. Just like when I have spoke in the past around a lot of these gloomy business subject matter types of content in regards to when I did it with GNC or bodybuilding.com or a few other ones in the past, I find zero enjoyment in doing this. I do not monetize clicks. I'm not the traditional content creator that's trying to throw gasoline on the fire. I do not enjoy that process at all. As a management consultant, I understand that there is a realness behind a lot of the kind of poor or negative business performance, and that comes in either directly or indirectly affecting personal lives. And a lot of these lives are people that I have met and know people that I have worked with over the last decade plus in the industry and people that I respect on many levels. The fact is Europa Sports Products struggling right now is a net negative to the overall industry. And for those that maybe are not too familiar with Europa Sports Products, figure I'd give you guys a little bit of a background the company was founded in 1990 by Eric Hillman and Jeff Compton. Europa Sports products quickly expanded from just a few employees in Eric's house. They had one brand that they were distributing to upwards of 35 employees and 15,000 square foot of warehousing only six years later. The company rode a lot of the success that was happening and the growth within the industry during the mid 90s and the late 90s with brands like EAS, Metrix, and they continued to expand and they opened up a second warehouse in 2000 in Fresno, California. So they had an East Coast, West Coast distribution network at that point. At this current time, I think they have five total warehouses that did retract i think from a total of around seven only a few years ago the company continued to grow throughout the 2000s and the 2010s they merged with their biggest competitor lone star distribution in 2016 with the help of sheridan capital partners which had ownership in lone star distribution i think combined revenue they hit over 500 million dollars annually and recently sheridan capital partners was bought out of their ownership in the combined europa sports products but i'm unaware of the exact date of that because there was no publicly disclosed press releases so you have a little bit of background on Europa Sports products now and want to just get into the meat of this like what 
went wrong. I can kind of start at the Lone Star Europa Sports Products horizontal merger first. Yes, this merger at the time definitely gave them a ton of pricing power and the dominant market share. They gained a lot of cost synergies, but they didn't really gain a lot of like revenue synergies because the businesses were really in similar markets, they had similar services. So there wasn't a lot of like complementary type of synergies that could create revenue multiples. And though your pack acquired Muscle Foods USA a few years before Europa and Lone Star merged, I truly believe that the merger really like kicked your pack into gear and saying, hey, we need to focus on this category a lot more. We need to put more effort into this. And Muscle Foods and your pack went out and acquired a small regional distributor power shack to consolidate the market a little bit more and provide a little bit extra for them to compete, which now these companies compete head to head. And I'm not saying that the merger really had caused the majority of the pain that Europa Sports Products is in today, but hindsight 2020, if we look at things you know, in reverse, the mid 2010s was really the height of what these distributors would get in terms of valuation. And the merger really kind of put them in a tough position that they've had to dig out of over the last five years. Now, what's been going on over these last like five to seven years that could be putting pressure on Europa Sports products? I think the first one's around this legacy versus emerging brands, a lot of things that are going on there. If you think about legacy brands or like the largest brands that Europa Sports products would be distributing, a lot of them have shifted in terms of where those products are being offered. So they have matured in their channel strategies. They now are being offered in grocery stores, mass retailers, convenience stores, club stores. And because those legacy brands have gotten bigger and matured, they then have to push down a lot of more kind of stringent ordering protocols to a lot of the smaller retailers. So larger minimum order quantities, payment terms, things that would be restrictive to some of these smaller retailers. So then those retailers need to go to a distributor to purchase those products because it helps them with inventory control and just cash management. Now on the other end with emerging brands, they tend to have a lower barrier in terms of like the minimum order quantity. So these retailers can go and order direct with those emerging brands. They can get a little bit better margin and they're usually easier to find and communicate with because of just how active they are across social media. Now the issue here with these small supplement retailers is that they started to stock less of these large legacy brands because they wanted to diversify their merchandising against some of the large retailers within their town. They weren't just competing against the GNC or the vitamin shop in town. They were competing against maybe the Kroger that was in town or the Giant Eagle that was in town or the Dick's Sporting Goods or 7-Eleven. And because of that, they started to seek out more of these emerging brands that Europa Sports didn't either carry or that these brands would work direct with those small retailers. And Europa Sports just really couldn't stock all of these brands that would spread out their cash too much and people didn't really want to always work off of consignment. So took away some of the share dollars that was going into Europa Sports products. Now just mentioning that Europa Sports couldn't carry all of the brands, that's because low barriers of entry within the industry 
really created a explosion of brand creation in terms of like the long tail. You have a ton, you know, 10,000 brands plus, and you really can't carry all those brands. And not only is brands being created by just independent individuals, but these small specialty retailers that were once ordering all of their products, maybe from Europa Sports products, they now can go to a small contract manufacturer or somebody that does white labeling and create their own supplement line. This again cuts at the total share that Europa Sports products has available in the market. And there's a ton of other kind of market shifts that happened and maybe Europa Sports products didn't really respond in the appropriate time with their strategy. And again, this is like hindsight 2020 and we can nitpick all we want and name a bunch of things, but for educational purposes in terms of calling some of these things out, one of the things Europa Sports Products was not keen on doing was creating their own brand. So really using what was happening with low barriers of entry and actually creating some of their own private label brands. A lot of distributors across grocery, CPG, and a ton of other categories have moved towards owning their own brands, be that through acquiring small brands that do very well or creating their own private label brands that could be sold across all of their customer base. This improves margins, but if done correctly, it doesn't necessarily erode at a lot of the relationships that you have with existing third-party brands. They could have also looked at vertically shifting and actually owning some of these small contract manufacturers or just partnering with some of these small contract manufacturers and white label manufacturers to create like a turnkey opportunity for their customers that were small supplement retailers that wanted to create their own brand, make sure they can still capture a portion of those dollars that were getting spent. They did make a good move in terms of trying to capture a lot more of the online business with providing a service around third-party logistics, but that is an extremely tough business. And to attract the best brands that would be within that service offering, you really need to find the brands that have high velocity SKUs, but very few SKUs, so not big basket brands, ones that sell five or less SKUs, but they sell thousands a day. But they were really attracting the opposite, the basket brands, the brands that were already within their portfolio, and then they were needing to both ship out traditional pallets, cases, those types of things, and also look at parcels, which are two businesses that if you're going to run them concurrently, the operation needs to be extremely optimized. And looking at just the overall investment towards operational technology to excel as a distribution company in today's market, you need to be a tech company that just so happens to ship things out. Today's top performing 3PLs and distribution companies really invest a ton yearly into automation, artificial intelligence and machine learning and robotics. And this might seem totally outside of the industry. You think, oh, that's for bigger industry. That type of investment doesn't happen within this industry. All you need to do is look at a company like iHerb and look at their back end of their business, their operational side of their business and realize that it can be a growth accelerant for the business. And then finally, in terms of like what went wrong, the easiest one that could be pointed to and what I mentioned in the introduction was around the COVID-19 effect. Europa Sports products is definitely sports supplements heavy. 
Now, that particular subsection of the overall supplements industry was hard hit for a few months. And as there was low demand for these products, as gyms closed for a few months across the United States. You also have a large majority of the customers that Europa Sports Products works with that are small supplement retailers and gyms. Both of these were hard hit either by states deeming them non-essential, closing them up for a while, or restricting their operations for a good period of time. Even as some states started to open up over time throughout 2020, these businesses initially saw low demand that was extremely tough for Europa Sports products to dig out of as those retail categories rebounded on the latter part of 2020 and into 2021. And then in terms of like product categories, and, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing until something happens like COVID-19, is that products that were being sold a ton was bars and drinks. Weakened consumer mobility is definitely still hurting the bar category. And then a lot of the kind of energy drinks or protein RTDs that Europa Sports Products distributes, that demand really shifted towards online through direct consumer and marketplaces. Europa Sports Products has done all they can do to sustain their business. I applaud them for digging in and meeting the challenges head to head, doing what they needed to do. They've taken out the needed PPP loans. This is not something to shame them for. This was available money for businesses just like Ropa Sports Products, and they were able to get $6 million to help their operations. They also went out and did an asset-backed loan with CIT Bank for, I believe, $40 million to help them bridge a lot of the struggles that were going on. So they were doing everything they could. They could have folded in 2020. They could have just thrown their hands in the air and hurt a lot of businesses, but they want to stick it out. They wanted to dig in. They wanted to do what they needed to do to make this business work. So have to applaud them for that. But where does Europa Sports products go from here? Now, I don't know exactly how tough of shape Europa Sports products is in right now and what potentially could be the pre-bankruptcy value of the company if they are at that point. I only have an extended vision of the company based around the clients that I work with both on the brand side and the retail side that do business with Europa Sports products. So based on a few of those data points, here could be a few options that Europa Sports products is considering. The first one is just kind of go at it alone, continue to right size or downsize the business and become kind of like these regional functional food and functional beverage distributors. And cut a lot of the business on the powders, caps, and pills side of the business. They've lost the most amount of that business because of some of the market shifts that I mentioned earlier. But my guess is though, someone is going to understand that the intersection of positive macro trends that Europa Sports Products operates in provides some value. So I think the second option is that with the assumption that Europa Sports Products actually owns a lot of the real estate, the distribution centers that they have, 
a strategic could look at this as a distribution points play. Now that could be a number of different businesses, but a name that I have seen thrown around and I'm not sure if there is any validity to it is that the vitamin shops owner, the franchise group has kicked the tires on Europa sports products. They are definitely creative deal makers and it wouldn't be outside of their scope to make a deal like this. Some of the assumed pros that the franchise group could be looking at is this will provide distribution points for a number of their retail brands, not only the vitamin shop or the supplements category. They could use these warehouses for a number of different businesses like that they have within home goods or pet products. Also gives them access to food, drug, mass convenience, wholesale customers that could potentially create some strategic retail partnerships with the vitamin shop brand is very similar to what you've been seeing with GNC going after strategic retail partnerships and using their private label to grow brand equity. They could also gain a lot of knowledge within these small supplement retailers across the country that could potentially open up conversations for the vitamin shop to shifting some of those businesses into vitamin shop franchise. That might sound kind of a far off pro, but could be something that they could potentially get some insights around to help their portfolio business. And the con that just kind of keeps going through my mind is that why go and purchase an existing distressed asset that would need a ton of cleanup to provide the ultimate benefit to franchise group. I think that's for me probably the biggest thing to think about, but if the price is right, you would do the cleanup needed. And then option three, to me the most likely is that a mid-market private equity firm comes in, buys out the company, they adjust the name to refresh it, kind of reintroduce it into the market. They also extend out their product categories that they distribute into more of the dimensions of what wellness is considered today. They bring in a top level turnaround executive. They change over the management team and inject the company with a ton of technology improvements on the operational side to increase the value of the asset so they can flip it off their books for a large multiple in about five years. Just wanna end on some final thoughts. My hope is that Europa Sports products can emerge a much stronger company after overcoming its recent and current challenges. They deserve a lot of credit for building up the sports supplement industry and have been strong advocates for it before it ever became a mainstream thing. If it wasn't for them helping create these higher tides that have ultimately lifted all boats, a great deal of us wouldn't be able to benefit from such a fruitful industry. So it's my opinion that it's in the best interest of the industry to retain cornerstones like Europa Sports products.